Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I pray and ask God for a word um, from God for the year. And I would encourage you guys to do this. I've been doing this since I was like 15. So if we have any teenagers in the room today, this applies to you. 20-something, this applies. It's not, it's not just pastors, okay? You don't just have to be a preacher to say, I want to hear God's voice speaking to me about this coming year. Um, when God speaks to you, he always gives you some, some word of direction. So I would encourage you, and you say, well, how do I do that? Well, one, come join us in 21 Days of Prayer. Um, kneel for an hour, and I promise God will speak to you. Uh, two, you can do it on your own. You can do it at home. You can just, however you like to pray, uh, just go before God and say, God, I want a word from you for me for this year. Um, if, you're, if, you're a, if you're a father or a mother, in other words, like if you're responsible for other adults, this is very important for you. For other humans, I mean, if you're, God's put other humans in your care, you need to have a word of God for the year for your family. And so as, as, as your pastor, I, I always set aside time to pray and seek God for a word um, for this church. And I don't, I, don't, I don't make stuff up. If God doesn't speak anything to me, I just don't. I was like, well, I guess I didn't, I didn't get one this year. But God's always been faithful to speak to me. And that's what scripture says, that that his sheep will hear his voice. And that's a promise, that you and I have a promise. If we are um, children of God, we have a promise to hear his voice. And so um, last year, God spoke to me, and the word that God gave me last year was the word breakthrough. And um, uh, breakthrough is one of those words, it's very churchy. Um, so I kept asking God for like a more hip, a hipster version of breakthrough, and I just, I just never got one. Apparently, God's okay with, you know, breakthrough and uh, all that kind of, that connotation that goes with it. I'm personally like, well, what does that mean, right? Like, I, I get breakthrough, it sounds exciting, but what exactly are we talking about? And so, really, last year, it was a discovery for me of what kind of breakthrough God wanted to do. Um, and, and, and God spoke to me that he wanted uh, City Chapel to experience levels of breakthrough in 2017, but also, like, individuals, people. Um, there was one particular person, um, God spoke to me, just interrupted. I was preparing for a sermon, and God doesn't really care about that oftentimes. And he just, he just interrupted me and spoke to me about this person, that this person was going to experience breakthrough in her life um, in this particular area. And he told me exactly what was going to happen. And Ro can verify, I, I told Ro, I didn't tell anybody else though, because I was kind of afraid, because uh, I wasn't sure if some, sometimes I, sometimes I, I don't know, I don't feel a liberty to tell people stuff. And um, so that, that way, I'm always smarter than I look. See, that's, 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 that's the plan. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you, you can't be, you can't look smarter than you are. You gotta be smarter than you look. That's, so that's, that's what the hair is all about. But anyway, um, as, as JT says, the floppy hair pastor. Uh, but anyway, you know, so, so I, I said, well, you know, I don't know if I should share this with this person. But then, but then like just weeks after God gives, gives me this word, um, this person starts going through all kinds of things in her life. And, um, and, and it looked like maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe I just kind of got this thing in my head and I don't know. And, 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 but then I, I felt like, no, this is from God and I just need to hold on to it. Sometimes God gives you a word in the beginning of the year in order to get you through 
the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? Because he knows what's coming up. Sometimes I, I, think, I think he gives us some revelation, um, even when revelation doesn't reflect reality, even when reality looks different than revelation. I think that's what faith is, actually, to hold on to revelation and, and still walk in reality. To, to not deny reality, but to acknowledge the fact that, yes, some things are pretty difficult right now. Um, this, this person's uh, uh, father called me and said, I'm kind of concerned. And I said, look, look, I can't tell you how I know this, but I'm telling you, everything's going to be all right. I'm telling you, God's told me how this thing's going to end and everything's going to be fine. And sometimes I think that's why God gives you a word in the beginning of the year so that you can hold on to it when things get crazy and things get rough. You can, you can latch onto, you can, it can, it can help pull you through. It can help pull you through the year. People, people, I see people, they, they're gung-ho for God in January, and then by June, they're, they're, they're not really that in. And, and, and a lot of it is because they don't have anything to hold on to, to pull them through that time of disillusionment, disappointment, discouragement. So, so anyway, praying for a word for the year for us was breakthrough. And man, I saw that individual see breakthrough in their life. I've seen several individuals. I've seen the church experience breakthrough. Um, we, 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 we were averaging uh, 120 people on Sunday uh, this time last year. Now we're averaging about 175 people on Sunday. Um, that's not even counting those people watching online. Hey guys, how's it going? We don't count you. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, just, we, keep, we, we keep a separate tally for that. Um, but uh, no, there's about 20 people watching online any given Sunday as well. But it just like that's, that's breakthrough the, uh, to see that kind of growth. In fact, it, I, I did this at the 930, but raise your hand if you started coming to City Chapel in 2017. You started, you're a 2017 grad. Look at that. Check it out. That's awesome. It's like, yeah, that's breakthrough. That's all right. Jessica's happy about that. Is anybody else happy about the new people? Or are you just kind of upset they took your seat? Is that the, 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 stop looking at them funny, man. Come on. Yeah, that's awesome. Like that's, that's breakthrough. When you see new people coming into the kingdom of God, coming into relationship uh, with, with us, God's adding to that. Um, an, another way of breakthrough, just a little bit of measurement, is Christmas Eve, right? Last Christmas Eve, a year ago, um, we said, hey, let's have a Christmas Eve service. And we had 120 people come out from the community and a couple people got saved. And it was awesome. This year we said, hey, that was awesome. Let's do that again. And we had two services. This year between our two services, we had 250 people come to our Christmas Eve service. That's more than double. That's what you call breakthrough. That's, that's moving on up like through stuff. Um, last year we, we, did a, we did a toy drive. Um, I remember Landon, he was here at the 930. Landon brought a whole bunch of presents and like you guys brought some. I think all together we had like 30, 30 presents. I was pumped last year. We had 30 gifts and we brought those. I, I stuffed them all in my car. I drove up to Austin Angels and we delivered them to Austin Angels and I was excited about it. But man, like this year, this year, Alma's, uh, uh, work, uh, the, the place where Alma and um, uh, Patty worked, they got involved, uh, Toys for Tots got involved, and you all got involved. And this year we had 602 presents that we counted that we wrapped. <laughs> From 30 to 602 presents. That's called breakthrough. And it's messy and it's kind of crazy, but it's called breakthrough. We, we had this whole front like filled. It was overflowing. Um, we gave presents out to about 45 or 50 kids from our Keep Kids Fed program. Um, which, by the way, speaking of breakthrough, we were feeding 12 kids this time last year. We're now feeding like 100 kids every weekend. That's called breakthrough. That's like, you know, dun da 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 da. Whoa! 
the 100 kids. How are we doing this? So, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a year kind of like that where it's like breakthrough is when things um, just like, like okay, so, so if a farmer um, plants a seed in the ground uh, and, then, and then he covers it with dirt and he waters it and, and waters it and waits and waters and waits, then uh, at a certain given time, if everything was right, then that seed turns into a plant that begins to break through the ground and you look down the ground and you go whoa hey that wasn't there before now that's there and that's kind of what city chapel has been experiencing things and even people like individuals humans like like you all some of you were not here some of you uh just kind of broke through i uh I, in the previous service if you guys met dan and ashley dan and and and, and ashley and their family they're from they're from michigan um ashley's a, a childhood friend of mine god put it in their heart to move um down here to help me uh and to help this church um um, in uh, January of 2016 and so the seed was planted January of 2016 and then June or July of 2017 they actually moved down here and so it's just it's stuff like that it's stuff that has been in the works that's been underground seeds that have been planted that we've been praying for and we've been believing God for and then suddenly it just like like breaks through the ground and it's and it's breakthrough and it's there and it's exciting and, um, and I'm feeling like that word from God was totally fulfilled this year. And now God's given me a, a, a new word for this year. And once again, it's not as hipster as, as, as I would like. Uh, it's a little bit churchy, but it's the word harvest. Uh, the word harvest. It's actually not a church word at all. It's really an, eco, it's a, it's a, it's an agricultural word. It's just, it's, it's just the church has borrowed it and used it so many times. And, and, and I think many times we've got it wrong when we've talked about harvest in the church. Usually when we talk about harvest time, we're like, whoa, it's a time when they're coming in from the north, the south, east, and the west. And it's kind of like um, uh, Fourth of July where somebody else does all the work. You pull up and sit on the hood of your truck and watch the show. Like that's harvest. But if you talk to any farmer, he will tell you that harvest time is the most labor intensive time for him uh, as an individual. It's where, uh, so, so maybe that is the hipster version, is work, 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 work. Like that's what this year, I feel like that's what this year is about. And I'm not trying to scare you off. If you're new to City Chapel, um, you know, we'll let you sit for a few minutes first. <laughs> and then we'll put you, but like, like seriously though, like that's to me what harvest is. Like after breakthrough, after the plant breaks through the ground and you see this fruit on it, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Well, guess what? If you leave that fruit out there in the field, it dies. It dies. You can't just leave the fruit in the field or else it dies. Harvest is where Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers, workers into his field, the field that is already growing, the fruit that's already, the breakthrough that's already happening. After breakthrough, God needs people who are willing to go find the fruit and bring it into the storehouse or put it into a proper place. And so I feel like my challenge for this year is to get as much it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the no fruit left behind initiative. Um, uh, it's kind of after George W. Uh, Bush, I kind of borrowed his thing. So we got, we got, we got, we got no, no grapes left behind. Oh no, no, no George, sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> hey, at least he can get a raincoat over his head. Uh, it, it, no fruit left behind initiative. We can't, we can't leave, we can't leave the resources that God has put 
into our lives or into our church and just allow them just to sit there. And so for me in my life and in my church, um, you all are the fruit. Like, like, like these chairs are the vines. You guys are the grapes, right? I, I talked about this last year. Don't, uh, early service, don't, don't take it personal, but I, I, grapes are great. Grapes are the best fruit that I can possibly think of. So, so, so if I'm going to harvest something, I'm going to harvest grapes. You guys are like on these vines and my job is to kind of pull you off of those chairs and bring you into a place of service into a place where you are uh, uh, contributing to the kingdom of God. And, and not because, well, hey, we need more people, even though actually we really could use some more folks. But honestly, it's for your benefit because otherwise you die on the vine. Otherwise you die in your seat. You die in your chair at City Chapel. You can be in the right place. But if, you, if nobody brings that fruit from the field and puts it into its proper place, it dies. And so I don't want that for any of you, and I don't want that for any of your lives. I think there are some areas of breakthrough in your lives, and you see some fruit rising up. You need, you, you, need, you need to work it. You need to work the fruit. You need to get the fruit, put it in the right place. Get the resources that God's put in your life and put it in the right place. It's almost like the order or the place... Is, is off, and so things are dying in your life. If, it's not that God hasn't blessed you, it's just that you haven't put it in the right place. And so this is the year to harvest some of that, to go get some of that, to do the work, to do the work of, of, of the ministry. Anything can happen is something we've been talking about. And last week, I, because I'm the graphic designer also here, I added a little extra word called anything can happen there. Because um, as we step into this year, I'm believing God to do miraculous things. But there is a particular place. There's a place called there. And this is the place where God works his miracles. He works his miracles there. Where is there? Well, there is the distance between where you are and where God's calling you to be. It doesn't mean a ge geographical there. I'm not saying that everybody, you guys need to move like out of Texas or anything. I, 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 I just feel like there's some moves that you need to make in your life. There's some moves you need to make in your mind. There's some moves you need to make in your habits. There's some moves you need to make in your finances. There's some moves you need to make in your family. There's, there's some moves that need to be made. And when you move from where you are to where God's calling you to be, to that place of obedience, that place of submission to him, that's where we start to see God do extraordinary, amazing things. So, so I want to read again uh, the passage that we read last week. It's found in 1 Kings. I'm not going with a... With a uh, digital Bible today. I got a real Bible, and uh, I'm fast at sword drills too. I didn't even have the place marked. I just First Kings chapter 17. If you if you have it, you didn't bring your Bible. Never mind. Um, First Kings chapter 17. It's going to be on the screens though. Um, verse 8. There's this interesting little story about a man named Elijah. He's a prophet of God, and there's a famine in the land. Okay, so Elijah has um, cursed the ground. He's called for a famine. The famine ends up lasting three and a half years. And many people die because of it. This is an agricultural society. You don't have any harvest. You don't have any breakthrough without rain. And um, God says because of the sin of, of Ahab and his wife, um, Jezebel, he's not sending any more rain for a while. And meanwhile, God still is trying to take care of his prophet, though. And so the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, I want you to, to arise um, go from where you are, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded, past tense, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Where? There. Yeah, that's what we talked about last week. That, that God's provision is there. 
It's not here. You can't just sit, sit, sit here and, and just demand that God meets you here and God take care of you here. No, no, no. There is, there is a there for you. There's a move that you and I have to make. We all need to be moving forward. I don't know if you realize that or not, but, but hopefully uh, the end of 2018, you're going to be a different, better person than you were at the end of 2017. Uh, hopefully that's at least on your radar. I mean, even if you're not a Christian today, this ought to be a goal of yours, you know? I mean, at some point, uh, you got to move out of your parents' basement. At some point, like you just, you just, like you just have to change. You got to mature. You got to grow up at, at some level, you know? I mean, it was cute when you were eight. It's not cute when you're 38. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like there's, <laughs> and that, that's true physically, man. That's just, <laughs> I actually want to say it to some people spiritually. Like it was cute when you first got, it's not cute anymore. Like at some point, you got to like reach out beyond just yourself and start Start thinking about others. Start thinking about what God is doing through you for other people. And this is, this is the there. It is a place of sacrifice, and it's an exciting place. And I'm going to be prodding you and pushing you and begging you and kicking you um, all 2018 to get there, to get to your there, wherever your there is. I want all of us to get there, to a place that God's called. And it's different for each of us. Uh, your there might be just a decision to go to church, uh, you know, like on a regular basis. That might be for you the move that God's calling you to make. Uh, for you, uh, for some of us, it may be a move to attend prayer meeting, 21 days of prayer. And um, I, I mean, we have some people that attend every single day. All right, and that's, that's, that's commitment, and that's awesome. Um, not all of us can do that, but I mean, for some people, that's what God's calling them to do. I'm going to go to prayer every single, and then stuff happens during those three weeks, and their lives are never the same again, and it changes their life, because when you are there, uh, God does his miracles. That's where God meets you, and so Elijah gets up, and he goes there, and uh, it says in verse 10, uh, that uh, he, he arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there. That's right. Where was the widow? There. there. The widow was there. Now, this is interesting to me, because not only did Elijah need to get there, but, but this whole miracle that ends up happening also needed the widow to be there. And, 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 and I don't know, but I just wonder how, I, I wonder how many people are waiting for you and for me to get to our there. Like if, the, if Elijah just would have showed up there, and he's like, here I am, I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm in my there. But if the widow had not been there, remember God said, I have commanded in past tense, I have already commanded a widow to feed you there. And if she would have said, well, I don't really want to get out of the house. Because we find out later on that she's about to die. She only has enough bread for, to, uh, enough flour to make bread for one day, and then she's going to die. And most of us, if that was our situation, we wouldn't even bother making the bread because it's just, it's pointless. We're, we would be so down, so discouraged, so in the dumps, we would say, you know what, forget this. I'm just, I, I, why bother making one last piece of bread that's only going to sustain me for another day? I mean, I might as well die right now. She, 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 she could have got depressed. She could have stayed at home. Some of us super spiritual people, I mean, we would have just started praying 24-7, right? We would have just stayed in the house. God, feed me, feed me, Lord. Make a way where there is no way. Lord, we really need you. No, there's something, though, about her being there. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just obey God. 
is just get up and go to your, your there, which is a J-O-B. <laughs> no, seriously. I know some people, they're just praying for God to open up doors and do miracles. and blah. No, no, no. He's already done a miracle in your life. He gave you a body that's able to get a job. I can't get a job. There's extenuating circumstances. Like, you know, like, like I'm lazy and I'm, 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 I'm selfish and uh, I'm really prideful. I don't think any of these people know what they're doing. And, and man, dude, Myron's had like 10 jobs in the past like two years. Like, you, trust me, you can make jobs up, right? My, Myron and Kenneth, they're not here right now. But I mean, you can like, like you can, if you don't have a job, you can start your own. This is America. You know, like, like sometimes I feel like we get so spiritual that, that, that this lady would not have been there if she she would have just waited for God to meet her in her house. Instead, she goes off. She has enough bread for one day. And so, darn it, she's going to make bread today. Sometimes that's what it is. I have enough energy just for today, so I'm going to drag myself out of bed today. I have enough patience for my kids just for today. After that, we all may die. But, I, <laughs> but I'm going to get up, and I'm going to exercise what I have today. I have a handful of flour. It's all I got. But I'm going to use what I got. If you, if, you, if you really want to see God move in your life this year, you're going to have to grab that handful of flour and do something with it. You're going to have to get out of bed. You're going to have to stop telling everybody about how hard life is, how nothing ever works out for you. You're going to have to just, even if you don't feel it. Like, I don't know that she was happy. I don't know she was joyful. She's just gathering sticks to make her last meal. And that's what got her there. Sometimes it's the simple things. We're looking for significant things, but sometimes the significant things are wrapped up in the simple, simple acts of obedience, simple acts of kindness, simple acts of forgiveness with your spouse, simple acts of, 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 of consistency with your kids, simple acts of discipline, simple. I mean, it's not massive. It's not huge. She's just picking up sticks, and she's there. And so that's where this widow is, and he, and he calls to her, and he says, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to bring it. That's amazing to me. In the middle of her drought, she's going to get him some water. Anyway, she was going to bring it, and he called to her and said, hey, while you're at it, bring me a morsel of bread um, in your hand. That's where she gets concerned. She says, as the Lord your God lives. We know that she's not a Jewish woman because she references uh, the Lord your God. This is Elijah's God. She believes in him, but it's not her God. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. <laughs> um, it's interesting, as I've been reading all these commentaries about, you know, uh, different scholars writing about this, oftentimes they, they talk about this woman as a, as a woman of faith. And then, and, and then you read that statement. And she's like, um, I can't bring you bread because I only have enough for me and my son, and then we're going to die. She doesn't have this great declaration of faith. She doesn't have this great confession of faith. Actually, her confession is quite uh, abysmal. It's quite dreary. I mean, it's, she's thinking about the end. She says, this is it. This is, uh, we're, we're, we're all going to die. The sky is falling. Right? And, and this, this is encouraging to me because I, I think God, um, he doesn't, he's not just looking. When I talk about how anything can happen, God can do anything, I'm not talking about just being super positive and pie in the sky and just stretch your imagination.
imagination. And no, I mean, it's not, faith and imagination are two different things. So you might have very little imagination. You might look at your handful of flour and you might say, man, this is only going to last me today and then tomorrow we're dead. And God doesn't condemn her for that. In fact, God knows exactly the situation that she's in because we never even know this lady's name. God never gives us her name. He just calls her the widow. She's defined in scripture, both in 1 Kings 17 and in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus references it. She's defined by what she has lost. Not by who she is. We don't know her name. She's not Leah or Elizabeth or, no, she's just defined by what she has lost. And, and you say, well, that's, that's not very spiritual to, to, no, well, sometimes, sometimes if you lose something significant enough, it will forever define who you are. It may, maybe you just haven't lost something that big, but when, what, what this woman has lost has changed her identity. It has, it, has, it has adjusted even her person. It has changed her. She's not, whatever her name was, whatever her husband used to call her, whatever people used to call her, she is now the widow at Zarephath. For, for the past 3,000 years, she's been known as the widow. And I don't think God's against that. Actually, God himself noticed how much it had changed her, and God referred to her as the widow. God said, this woman is the widow. She is the one who has lost a husband. She is the one who has lost intimacy. She is the one who has lost friendship. She is the one who has lost companionship. She is the one who has lost a provider. She is the one who has lost uh, the, 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 the breadwinner. And God is fully aware of what she has lost. By the way, God's fully aware of what 2017 took from you too. And I don't think, I don't think any amount of loss, no matter how significant or slight, sometimes it's a loss of an individual, sometimes it's a loss of, 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 of a friendship, sometimes it's a loss of a, of, of a relationship, sometimes it's a loss of finances, loss of a job, a loss of opportunities, loss of health. I mean, I don't know what 2017 has taken from you, but I do know that it cannot take your purpose from you. It cannot delete you from God's plan. Even in her lostness, even in her widowhood, God says, okay, so this is the lady that I want you to go to. And I want you to provide for. You have to understand that, yeah, God is trying to provide for his servant. But honestly, God's also providing for this woman. She's about to die. She's eating her last cake of bread. And she's about to die. Listen, listen to what the prophet says after that. Uh, he, says, uh, he, he, he says, okay, do not fear. Go and do just as you said, but first, that's how I tell my kids to sit down in the car, but first, uh, you guys are a tough crowd, but anyway, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. Now she doesn't have enough to make like two meals. She has enough for one meal. She's already explained that. So when the prophet says, okay, cool, you go ahead and make the bread, but first make me some, and then make some for yourself and your son, he, he, is, he is telling her, look, you don't have enough to make two meals, but if you will make my meal first, you'll be able to make your all's meal or y'all's meal 
all y'all's meal, as they say in Texas. Next, I, I, I still don't say that because it's not a real word. So I just, I just, I just refuse. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. They were, I, I, I was, I was at Starbucks and I was in line. I was the only person in line. It was early in the morning, and the girl behind the counter, she says, "What are y'all gonna get?" And I was like, "All of me is going to order, you know, the same thing. We're not just not multiple anyway." Uh, so you know, she, she, she the, the, Elijah says, "Look, if, if you if you feed me first, then you'll be able to feed your son. And then just in case you didn't get it, uh, he, he goes on in verse 14 to explain further. He says, he says, as uh, the, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of oil shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Which we know, um, according to Jesus, this is about three years after this point. Um, three years is, is about the time that she ends up being fed for this. And let's, let's go ahead and read, read the rest of the story so you see how it ends. For those of you that weren't here last week, uh, she, he makes his promise to her. And um, he says, don't fear, for thus says the Lord, you know, this, this stuff is going to keep coming. And then in verse 15, she goes and she does as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoke by Elijah. In other words, it came to pass. But this whole miracle hinged on her ability, one, to be there, and two, to believe that God would be able to provide for her if she provided for the prophet first. Now, you think about this, like this is so, like can you imagine, can, can you imagine like in, in, in Austin, if a pastor um, were to go up to a homeless person who just has one cheeseburger and it's all that they have left and then they're going to starve to death and that pastor says, tell you what, I feel the Lord telling you to give me that cheeseburger. Uh, he, he would probably get chased out of town. He'd be in the newspaper, you know, mean pastor, televangelist, asked for, <laughs> he's not even on television, but me, you know, this, he, he, he's taking up an offering for this poor, I mean, can you imagine the post in Jer the Jerusalem post, you know, poor widow uh, gives her last handful of flour to preacher who just wants her money, you know. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's a little bit scary to me because I don't know that I would have the guts if I'm talking to somebody who's on their last meal to say, okay, give the, your last meal to me, and then God will take, and then we'll pray, and God will take care of you. I, I mean, he didn't even start a keep widows fed fund, you know, or, or doing, I mean, like, I mean, wouldn't you, like, you want to be giving to her. Like, she's the one who only has a handful of flour left. She's the one who's about to die. This guy's the prophet. God's been feeding him for weeks just what the birds have been feeding. Like God can take care of his prophets. I mean, why is he asking something from her? Well, because the church only wants your money and the church only wants stuff from you, right? They're just give, 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 give. That's why. And, 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 and honestly, that's what the carnal mind thinks when it looks at it. Immediately we think, man, just thinking about yourself, just putting yourself first. And that's because, honestly, we, 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 we come from a, a culture that's more technocratic and um, a manufacturing culture, where the way that we build wealth is uh, we add things to us. It's addition and subtraction. Subtraction is bad, addition is good. And the goal of, of economics is to add more than you subtract. And so if you have a handful of flour, the worst thing in the world you could do is give it away. 
Because this, this is a subtraction. You're losing. Now you, you had one handful of flour. Now you have no handfuls of flour. This is bad mathematics. This is bad economics. You're not supposed to do this. And this is the way that we tend to process the world and even, even our own personal lives. If we, spend, if we spend 30 minutes here, then we've got to take 30 minutes away from there. If we spend $10 here, then we've got to take $10 away from here. And this is, you know, not a bad way to run a budget, by the way. Uh, this might be some of the things that you might learn uh, in 2018, how to, how to work a budget. And, and, and stay on time with your bills and stuff. And, and it can be helpful. Actually, if Washington figured this out, it would be very helpful. So, you know, I mean, it, I'm, I'm just saying there's some good to it, but, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. God doesn't work in a manufacturing or technocratic system. He works in an, in an organic system. An organic system, which is not like manufacturing. It's more like planting, harvesting. It's sowing and reaping. And in that system, this requests from the prophet completely makes sense of seeds. If you have like 50 seeds in your hand, um, you can do a couple things with them. You can save them for a rainy day, stick them in a jar, put them on a shelf. Um, that's, that's one option. Uh, option number two is you can eat them. Uh, apparently some seeds are tasty, you know, sunflower seeds and nasty stuff like that. Uh, you can, <laughs> you can, you know, you can chomp on it. You get a handful. It can kind of help you feel a little full for, you know, for a meal, I guess. Uh, put a little salt on there. But, 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 but if you're a farmer, you're not seeing like, 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 like a snack. That's not what you're seeing when you see a handful of 50 seeds. You don't see a snack. You see a harvest. Like in that handful. You say, hey, wait a minute. If I take those 50 seeds and I put those in the ground and I water that ground, I take care of that ground, come the fall... I'm going to have 50 shoots of whatever. Maybe it's corn, right? And so uh, I'm from up north, so all of Ohio is full of this. Dallas knows all about the cornfields. And uh, these corn shoot, sh you know, the field, the, the little shoot shoots up. And, then, and then, then, then you have the ears of corn. I don't, I'm not a farmer, but maybe like 10 ears of corn per thing. They're, they're, they're hanging off there. They're big. And in each ear of corn, there are tons of corn. I mean, like a bazillion corn. So, 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 so the farmer sees 50 seeds, and he's thinking, if I, if I can put this in the ground, if I, if, I, if I can put it in the ground and wait and water and wait and water, then it'll grow and I won't just have 50, I won't have a snack. I'll have a meal that will feed me and my family for the next six months. And then I'll have a hundred seeds left over to put in the ground next spring. And, and, and so the cycle will build and build and build. So, so in God's economy, when the prophet asked her for bread, he was not saying, look, I need to eat first. He was saying, you have enough in your hand for one meal, if you like. You feed yourself for today. If it, if it stays in your hand, you feed yourself for today. But if you release what is in your hand, if you sow it into the word from God, right? This, this is what she's doing. She's, doing. she's not just giving it to anybody. She's giving it to somebody who's, who says, God is telling me to do this and to, for you to give it to me because there are crooked preachers who are after people's money and that's just not good. But if it's truly the word of God, if it's confirmed in, in your spirit, uh, God said he had already commanded this widow. So there was confirmation in her heart. She said, yes, this is what God's telling me to do. But it's so hard to release what's in your hand and believe God for this multiplication when we're so used to addition and subtraction. The multiplication is the way that the harvest works. It's the way that God works. 
in some of the the harvest that that I think that you all are going to experience in your lives this year you you have to understand this concept not of addition and subtraction but of multiplication and I'm telling you this not uh, because I because I want your money um, in fact I ne never really preach about money uh, because it's not about money actually it's, it's it's God's not God even doesn't want your money what is he going to do with it he's got, his streets are made of gold so he doesn't need it uh, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not even about your time or your talents. It is about God's ability to fulfill his promise to you, his word to you, hinges on your ability to let go of what's in your hand and put it into his hand. That when you place it in his hand, what, whatever it is, whether it's your, your, your uh, bass playing, awesome bass playing skills, um, or uh, uh, Chris, Chris David clean detailed the church bus this week. Um, I, I assume he spent some of his own money on that, but also his time and his talent, because that's what he does for a living. If you need details, go to Chris. That's commercial. End of commercial. Uh, plug. A shameless plug. But, you know, he just, he, he just let us know. He said, you know, I just, I, I, I just want to for free. I just want to detail the bus so that kids getting picked up you picked up in a clean bus because I never cleaned the bus and so he said awesome and so I said awesome so he scheduled he went out there he scrubbed it clean shampoo like made it shine and stuff that's that's a contribution that I believe God's going to return to him not not in an addition subtraction way in other words God's not going to clean his bus necessarily but there will be this multiplication ways that God gives back that that is so much greater like like sometimes I feel like I always get the better end of the deal I sow a little bit into the kingdom of God and God just blesses me above and beyond that and ways not financial always sometimes financial but sometimes just simply uh, with with an overflow of peace like sometimes he just writes you he writes you emotional checks you know extra joy today because Harry's gonna need it extra understanding today because Harry's wife is gonna need it extra 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 I mean just like it's, it's like God is just is 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 growing me uh, from my releasing and so I, when I preach to you guys I'm not telling you stuff that I read in a book and it sounded really good no this is stuff this is what I live this is how I live my life I live my life with with these seeds in my hand this flower in my hand and I want to feed my kids and I want to take care of my family absolutely but I I love God first and so I give to God first. That's true financially, that's true of my time, and that's true of my talents. I, I sow into the kingdom of God, and I have seen the kingdom of God come back and bless me time and time again. Uh, this Christmas, um, we, like I was saying, we had all those presents um, that you all donated. And so we had, uh, like at the end of our Christmas Eve service, we had like three boxes full left over. So we just packed them up in the trailer and we took them to our house and Rogue uh, on Christmas Day got on Facebook and just said, hey, who, uh, you know, does anybody know anybody who needs extra presents on Christmas Day? And so we had already opened all our gifts and we were just, you know, playing with PlayStation. The kids were playing with PlayStation and um, uh, anyway, we were, we were just having a fun time and uh, we had these reports come in, these different families and so I just put, we put it out on Facebook. I think um, Romeo and Jackie came, Jennifer Darn Arlene, Peter and Jalisha, uh, Ashley and Dan, they all showed up to basically, and me and the kids, and we all went and distributed. We were like, you know, like Santa's helpers. We went and distributed to these 10 families. We had 10 families left over uh, that we were able to give all those presents to. And um, uh, me and the kids, we went to a family with a single mom in a hotel room. 
And, uh, you know, on, on Christmas Day, five kids holed up in a hotel room. And so, you know, I got the kids. We, we loaded up toys on the, on the car, and we, we rolled it on up there, knocked on the door. We said, hey, look, we're giving you the—we're we're from City Chapel. Um, we just want you to know Jesus loves you, you know, and, and Merry Christmas. And, and, and we just dropped them off because that's what we're doing. We're doing it in the name of Jesus. Because, because it's not really about the presence as much as it is God wanting people to know that he still loves them. Even, even though they don't have an address, he somehow found their room number. He still knows their address. He knows where they're at. He loves them right where they are, and he wants to bless them. And so that's what we did. We still had some gifts left over, so we went down to San Marcos uh, Women's Shelter. Um, they take in women uh, in like abusive situations um, for like two weeks at a time. And so three o'clock Christmas afternoon, we showed, pulled up with a bunch of gifts and, and they were all happy about it and, and they even said that they that we had more gifts than they had kids that day but that but that they were going to keep some they were they were going to keep some throughout the year whenever whenever family whenever women come with kids and they have birthdays they always try to get presents for the kids and so they said we'll use these as birthday presents throughout the year all that kind of thing and it was just it was it was, it was awesome because you know I want my kids to to understand that yeah receiving is great Christmas Day is great opening presents mom and dad got you is awesome but also giving is actually better than receiving and this is this is how God's economy works when you give love you get more back when you, when, you, when you give friendship, you get more back. I was talking to one pastor, and he said, yeah, it seems like the people who contribute the least complain the most. Jesus loves you um, and has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, the people in church who, who contribute the least complain the most. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's the chicken or I don't, know, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know if it's the complaining starts and then they stop contributing. I think really it has to do with the fact that they never contributed, and so they never really got much out of it because they never let go of what was in their hand. They never called anybody, and so nobody ever called them. You know, they never, they never tended a small group, so nobody knew when they were sick. They, never, they, 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 they didn't put much in, and they didn't sow anything. They didn't put anything in the ground, and so nothing came up. They didn't, never served in anywhere, and so, not, I mean, they didn't put any money in. They, they, just, they just didn't give any of themselves, and so they really got very little back, and to them, um, we are so much worse than the world's okayest church. Uh, we're, like, we're like down there, you know, because they just didn't get anything out of it, and that's true wherever. You could go to the world's best church, but if you don't put something into it, you could, have, you could be married to, to the best person, but if you don't put something into that marriage, you're not going to get much out of that person. That person's going to not be a great person. You get in what you put out and more so. And so while we were driving home, um, I quoted the scripture to the kids. Um, Roe had, had, had been working with them on Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 that says, um, He who is generous to the poor. I said, kids, do you know what it means to be generous to the poor? And they said, yeah, it's kind of like what we're doing right now. We're delivering gifts to kids that don't have a lot of presents this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being generous to the poor. We're giving to the poor, right? Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Not gives to the Lord, lends to the Lord. And I said, guys, do you, do you know what it means to lend? Madden's eight, Micah's six. So no, not really. And I said, well, it's like when you borrow something. So uh, uh, if, 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 if you borrow something from somebody, then, then if, if you borrow something from me, I'm lending my phone to you for a few minutes to watch a show in the back seat, right? But you got to give it back. Because it's not your phone, all right? It's my phone. <laughs> I'm paying the bills for it. It's my phone. I'm lending it to you. 
Because you need it in the moment. Well, that's what the Bible says that we're doing when we're generous to the poor. We are lent, God's borrowing from us. <laughs> God's like, I really want to do something, but I don't have the cash, so I need yours. I really want to do something, but I don't have the talent, so I need yours. Why would God put himself in that position? I mean, God has, he's got all the money in the world. He's got all the talent in the world. Well, it's right here. So that he will repay him for his deed. Repay. I said, kids, how do you think banks make money? Well, from lending money to other people. Yes, that's right. Mom and dad borrowed money for a house because we couldn't afford to buy one for ourselves. So we had to borrow money from the bank. But, but if all we do is pay back what we borrowed, then, then they break even, right? They, if I lend you $5, you pay me back $5. I still have my $5 I used to have. That's not how banking works. I said, you, the CEO of Bank of America's got a private jet. He's got multiple luxury homes around the world. The dude's rolling in it. So Mike is like, I want to be a banker. And I'm like, oh no, that's not the point of the story, but okay. Uh, but you know, Wells Fargo, those execs, I mean, they, like it's, it's the pensions, I mean, it's massive. How do they get all of this money? I said, well, it's real easy. When you lend people money that they don't have, then they agree to pay you back the money that you lent, plus to give you a little something on the top called interest. That's the, that's the repayment plan. So if you borrow $100,000 for a house after your 30-year you know, mortgage, you will have paid back, I don't know, three hundred dollars or $400,000 uh, for your house, which is why kids, we don't borrow. We don't get credit cards because the interest rate is ridiculous. We don't, we don't take out personal loans. Like some of you guys are learning some practical stuff today. I mean, you know, payday loans, don't do it. The interest rate is nuts. Don't, this is not good for you. So it's dangerous because the interest rate, it's the interest rate that gets you. It's not just repaying what you borrowed. You get, the, the banker gets rich off the interest. And I don't know what, what heaven's interest rate is, but I can tell you I have, I have received interest on everything I've ever given to the poor. Everything I've ever given done for God. Everything I've ever, every mission trip I've ever taken. Every, every church I've ever planted, this one and only. Uh, I have received, every time I have chosen to forgive Every time we in our marriage have chosen to forgive instead of hold grudges, we have received back, yes, what we gave, but interest compounded on top of it. In fact, I think that's what heaven is. That's why heaven is so awesome. That's God's ultimate interest rate. He is storing up. Scripture also in Proverbs says that God stores up success for the righteous. I mean, he just, he just stores it up for us and he pours it out on us occasionally. I, mean, I came out of Bible college with 40,000 worth of debt and, and stepped into a preacher's salary, 17000 a year. Woo! It was awesome. After two years, we finally got up to 24000 a year. Because, like, I could afford to have Starbucks like once a week. It was great. And, 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 and yet, in, in, in those three years, we paid off my $40,000 worth of school debt. Say, how would you do that? Well, we bought this house. We wanted to try to flip it. God like, had this foundation problem. The insurance company gave us 30000 extra. Like, it was bizarre. And you're like, well, I wish that would happen to me. Yeah, it's the interest rate of heaven. I wish that would happen for all of y'all. All y'all. I wish it would happen for all y'all. And that's why I'm pushing you 
to bring food for the kids. That's why I'm pushing you to serve the community. That's why I'm pushing because you got to put something in the ground. You got to put something in the ground. You got to sow something. It's got to get out of your hand. Your time, your schedule has got to get out of your hand. That's why we have 21 days of prayer and fasting because we're getting ourselves out of our hand. We're not feeding ourselves first. We are feeding God first. We are, we're serving Him first. He becomes first. Whatever is first in your life, has the power to bless your life. And that's why when the lady put God first, then God blessed her. He fed her for literally the next three years, which it's about a thousand days. She had enough in her hand to feed herself for one day. God said, if you give me that, I'll feed you for the next 999. You'd be crazy not to do that. Well, not crazy. You just wouldn't have any faith. You just holding, clinching this handful of flour that you got because it's all that you have. But if you can put God first, not, I'm not just talking about in, first in your finances, I mean first in your family, even above your family. If you can put God above every other competing idol in your life that's calling for your allegiance. The problem is, like, like uh, we, we, we put all kinds of things first. Uh, uh, our, our money, and our money doesn't have the power to multiply itself or to multiply us, and so we continually have less money. Uh, or, or, or we put our family first, right? We, uh, a big, big mantra is to put your kids first. Got to put the kids first. The danger of putting the kids first is that when you put kids first, then kids have to be the ones to bless you. And kids can't multiply your life at all. You go, well, I got to put, put my husband first. No, no, no. When you put your husband first. I was, I, was, I was talking to a lady this past year, and what she wanted was really good. She wanted a godly man, good looking, served, loved Jesus, would love her, be a companion. And, and, and I said, this is good. These are good things. These are all really good things. We, we got, got out the whiteboard. We wrote out the list. Great things. I said, these are all the stuff that Roe found not too long ago. So trust me, it's out there. <laughs> you can find it. It's out there. I'm telling you, it's good, it's good stuff, right? Just ask Roe. It's good stuff. It's, it's all good. I said, the problem is not what you are seeking. This woman wants to feed her kid. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's good. You want to take care of yourself, take care of your kid? Yes. Problem is not what you want to do, it's the order that you are doing them. The order determines the outcome. He says, uh, Prophet says, yes, 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 feed your child, but first give to God. Because whatever you give to first has the power to bless what you have after that. And so if we give to our children first, if we prop our children up on this, on the, on, on this pinnacle and they decide where our family goes. They decide what our family does. They decide. They, one, they were never meant to live in that weight of all of your hopes and dreams. And you'll crush them. They'll never live up to it. If you put your spouse on that pedestal in that place where only God can dwell, and that spouse can never really live up to all of your hopes and dreams. They can't multiply you. They can just add to you or subtract from you, but they cannot be the multiplier. They can feed you for the day then you starve. Every relationship eventually will starve you. Anything you put in front of God will eventually starve you. And so I said to her, I said, the problem is not that you want this, 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 this man. I believe he's out there. I, I truly do. But, but the problem is that you want him above God. 
He is first in your life. And you know what? Even if you found this man, no real godly man would ever want to be in the position of God in your life. However, there are a lot of jerks that would love to be in that position. And you keep finding them. <laughs> You're an expert at finding these selfish losers. You're so good at it because you're looking for it. You place them in this position. They love it. And then they're not enough for you and you're not enough for them. And then you, then you hate each other. But when God is first, when God is first, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, if you seek second things first, you get neither first things or second. But if you seek first things first, you get both first things and second. That the order determines the outcome. And this lady puts God first. That's my challenge to you this year. And I don't know what it means for you to put God first or what you would have to take off of that first place spot in order to stick him there. But I do know that sometimes God is so, God loves you so much that he will actively attack what you place first. I didn't, I didn't do this in the 930 service, but I just feel like I, I want to read the, a little more of this story. After they were fed, right, so they're, they're, they're being fed, Elijah's living there with him. It's, I don't have it on the screen or anything. It says, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. The son became ill. What you place first, God will <laughs> love you enough to try to remove that from your life. The son became ill, and his illness was so severe that his breath left him. Uh, in the original language, it says his soul left him. In other words, he died. It's an interesting way to state it. I think I want to preach on this next week. But he, he, he died because his soul left him. You start dying when you when you're, when you, when you lose your spirit. I don't care what your body looks like, but when you've lost your spirit. And, and so he said to Elijah, she said to Elijah, why, why have you come against me, man of God? You've come to me, uh, to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? She's grieving. And he said to her, give me your son. Give me the, the corpse of your hopes and dreams. Give me the remains of your priorities. Give me your son. Give me the remains of that thing that you had in front of God. So he takes the body from her arms, carries him up into an upper chamber where he was lodging. He laid him on his own bed. He cried to the Lord. And he stretched himself out upon the child three times. In other words, he laid on him, like his hands on his hands, his feet on his feet, his face on his face. And he said, oh Lord God, let this child's life or spirit actually in the original, let his spirit come into him again. And God heard the voice of Elijah. And for the first time in all of recorded history, there was a resurrection from the dead. It says that the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life or the spirit of the child came into him and he was revived. This is what we need. This is, this is what City Chapel needs. We need the spirit. The flesh has been in charge for too long. It's time for that to die and for the spirit to come in again.
That's why we're praying 21 days and fasting for the Spirit of God to come again. That's why we're denying ourselves food and stuff. It's not because we're trying to lose weight. We want the Spirit of God. Death to everything that stands before him, before him and above him. Death to everything that prioritizes itself and screams for our attention and our allegiance and our time and our money and our pursuits. But only that we would be revived with the Spirit. Lord, we come to you today and you're speaking to our hearts, speaking to various ones. I feel your presence here ministering to people. Whatever they've lost, God, you haven't abandoned them. You are calling them. This is the year that you are calling them to hand you their dead son, their dead dreams, their dead whatever it may be, their dead job, their dead family, their dead marriage, their dead kids. You're calling them to hand it over to you. Put it in your hands to release it from our hands. Place it in your hands. We call for your spirit, God. That's what the psalmist said, renew a right spirit, revive a spirit inside of me. We commit to, to put you first. We commit to submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.